Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah, Happy New Year, because we are actually in the beginning of Advent. We are in the beginning of the Christian year. And so this is actually January. It's raining like it's January, isn't it? We're, we've, we've gone through enough moisture that we think it's probably January. Uh, but did you notice something when you walked in this morning? It wasn't cold, yet we got one unit fired up, okay? One unit. Think of how warm it's going to be when we get three units fired up. You're all going to be wearing short pants and T-shirts. It's great. Anyways, the, the roof is on. The units are being uh, slowly brought online, and we're really thankful for that. I can tell you that two or three days ago, I would walk out of the offices, which actually continue to have a unit. So we've been okay in there. And you walk into here, and it's like, oh, are you kidding me? So anyways, it's wonderful that, uh, that that's happening. Uh, a quick announcement, actually two, uh, just as I begin. Kettle campaign, uh, they need people for the Salvation Army kettle campaign. If you go on the Salvation Army website or if you talk to actually myself, uh, I can direct you to that. If you have a chance to, uh, to ring the bells for the Salvation Army this year, most of their funding for uh, all of their programs, and there are many, uh, comes through the Kettle Campaign. And so if you have some hours to give over the Advent season, that would be wonderful. Uh, and then where's Henry? We're going to pray for Henry later. Where are you, big guy? Um, come up just for a second. You're going to come up again, but tell us about the fundraiser for the Basket Society. On Wednesday, Henry starts his new position as the uh, manager, uh, the big kahuna, the big kahuna of the... <laughs> of the Basket Society. Uh, tell us about uh, just that, that fundraiser, because we want to be in partnership more with, with that as well. So it's Stuff the Truck. It's, it's hosted by 89.7 FM and, and um, Save on Foods and a couple other people. And it really is for all um, organizations in Valley that are, that are involved in helping people with food. So the Basket Society is one of them, Nurse Couch, and then the food banks and other areas are all together stuffing the truck so you can show up at save on and put some food in the truck make a donation where at save on foods save on pardon me save on foods okay and if you want to buy together maybe with your house church a pallet for 500 bucks and you get your name on it and Excellent. and other things like that so that's what's happening this week starts tomorrow till friday tomorrow till friday that would yeah what a great idea yeah so thanks for, that. for a number of years so and again this is about uh and, and you and i've talked with this pastor scott is leading this being in for and with our community. Exactly. Yeah, again, exactly. Uh, acting justly, loving mercy, walking sure. humbly. Yeah, Definitely. thanks. All right, yep. we'll okay. bring you up a little later. We're going to pray for you as you begin that, so thank you. All right, good. Let's start with a, with a word of prayer as we head into our time of teaching. God, uh, we thank you that you are so good. Uh, Lord, you are doing good things throughout the world, uh, from Guatemala to the Cowichan Valley and everywhere in between. Across the earth, Lord, uh, you are Lord, and uh, you are working, and your people are engaging with you as you lead us. And so thank you for that. We pray this morning you would fill us with your spirit, that our time of teaching would be an encouragement, Father. We would leave here uh, transformed more into the image of our Savior, your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, you know what? I didn't bring my little clicker up. All right, you're 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 good to go. Perfect. All right. Um, 
as we get into Advent, I, we're, we're going to go back into Isaiah, and we're going to look over the next number of weeks, and it, it connects with our dailies, so pay, pay attention to those. I hope you're watching those uh, into uh, the, the, the chapter of Isaiah that, that talks about um, the promise of God and the messianic promise. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Uh, and to give you a little background, because to, to know the context and to understand what that is all about, um, it's important that we understand where these people were when Isaiah wrote uh, these words. Here's the history of the Jewish nation following Egypt. Uh, a couple of points. It is true when you read the scriptures that they were careless with the covenant that God had given them. God had promised them to, to bless them and to work through them and, uh, and to make them a blessing to the earth and to the peoples around them if they would follow uh, his covenant, the Mosaic covenant, if they would live and walk in his ways, uh, ways that are good, ways that, that really our society is continued uh, to this day to be founded upon. Uh, and yet they got careless. Just as we get careless with God's covenants, they got careless with God's covenants. They, they treated it as a set of rules to be followed. Think about that for a minute. Instead of a relationship to be embraced. I have conversations with, with people. I had a conversation with a guy last night. I was up in the military uh, uh, working with a, with, with a young man who's, who's, who's troubled. And, and as we finished our conversation and I said I would pray for him, uh, he talked about his religious journey. He'd grown up in a church. Uh, and he had, he had left it. And it gave me an opportunity to talk about the difference between religion and faith. And he began to, to just talk a little bit about that in his life. And, and what that conversation was really about is exactly what you're looking at on the screen. The difference between a set of rules that people follow and a relationship with God that they embrace. And the Hebrew people had lost that. The nation of Israel had, had, had forgotten that that's what it was all about. And they began to become followers for legalistic reasons instead of relational reasons. Secondly, they experienced the consequences of their carelessness. God had removed his favor from them. Uh, not his attention, but his favor. Uh, you might remember a couple of years ago when I preached on Romans, and it talks about how, how uh, the world has basically gone in this direction. It, it, it's not that God doesn't want to be with us, but there are times in our lives personally, in nations, in the world, where God says, you, you can go there. I've given you the freedom to go in every direction you want to go, but I'm not going to go with you into that. You're, you're going to be on your own if you take that direction. And it's not that my attention isn't attending to you. It's just that I'm, I'm not going to stand there in the midst of that with you. And that's what happened to them as well. God reminded them that the covenant that they shared had not expired. He said there are consequences, and, and the, the covenant is still in place. And God assured them of his love and a promised future. They were careless, but God, and this is the heart of God, isn't it? He wants to draw everything back to himself. That's what he's done with your life. That's what he wants to do with your life. He wants to draw us back to be his people in community together, not in isolation, in community. Uh, which is why even as we go through COVID and the isolation has been um, hard. People are tired, aren't they? We're all tired of that. Uh, that's why we have even tried to transition into, into house churches and in communities that can meet when we couldn't meet here. And we want to continue to do that. Why? Because we want to walk in relationship with God and with each other. 
Thirdly, as they struggled to honor their covenant with him, God, in his love and kindness, promised them something new. And that's what Isaiah talks about. A new government, a throne, and that's what we're going to talk about. That's why it's underlined. And then a new covenant, a lamb. And when you go to Isaiah 53, that's where it, it talks about uh, how, how Christ is going to be the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Despised and rejected. That's more the, uh, not the Advent story. That is really the Lent, the Easter story. And so at Christmas time, we talk about this new government, a throne, Isaiah chapter 9. And as we go into Easter and into Lent, we talk about uh, the, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, the new covenant in Jesus, which is Isaiah 53, all coming from the Old Testament. But let me read you these words of hope, these words of promise from God, from Isaiah chapter 9. It says, nevertheless, so God is talking about all the things that, that, are, that are not going to be positive. And then he says, nevertheless, the time of darkness... Because they were living in hard times. And despair will not go on forever. There will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Think about outside. You tired of the rain? Yeah, thank you. Yeah. We're all a little. Remember a couple of days ago? I don't know what day it was. I, I remember sometime in the last week for just a few hours, the sun came out. I was talking to Andrew. I think, Andrew, you said, I was driving in my car, right? And the sun came out. And it was like, oh. It's like you just wanted to stop your car and lie out there in the midst of it. Um, listen to this. This is, what, this is what life was like. They were in this perpetual darkness. For people who walk in darkness, the people who walk in it, will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And the boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. No more war. No more conflict. No more division. And then these words in chapter 9, verse 6. And we hear these, if you've been to church at all, you have heard these before. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders. By the way, they were a divided kingdom. They were, they, they were, they were, they were divided even amongst themselves. They had the, the, the schism after Solomon had, had happened. And so when, when Isaiah is writing this, there's this picture even of things coming back uh, together. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with all fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David forever, for all eternity. The passionate commitment, not of yourselves, the passionate commitment, Israel, of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. You probably heard it in another uh, translation where it says, the zeal of the Lord Almighty, the zeal, the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. It's not going to be uh, David and his mighty men and the armies of, 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 of you 
conquering the land that happened before. This is actually going to be something that God's going to do with armies that, that you know nothing about. The armies of heaven. It's going, to, it's going to be supernatural. And so here's the key point in this before we go any further. The key point is that God is promising his people a new king. One like they have never seen and experienced before. Hit the next slide if you would please. Uh, thank you. A king so powerful that his reign will never end. A king so fair and just that peace, shalom, will describe his very reign. Wouldn't that be nice today? Would you like some peace? I can tell you that, that uh, when I put on my uniform and, and talk to people, uh, I wouldn't say there's talk of war. But there's not a lot of talk of peace right now. A king that honors with them the covenant that they are bound to. Mm, beautiful. You will be bound to this covenant again. Why? Because it will be based on relationship, not keeping some law because you feel like you have to. A king who is somehow human, yet somehow beyond human. And here's his name. He will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So, who is this king? And what are his names? I, I want to describe to you something that, that is very important. In Isaiah's world, names did not just identify people, they described them. It, it wasn't that you would name your child Ken, which, by the way, does describe me because it means the handsome one. Okay, I mean, my parents had a prophetic gift. They just knew that that was going to be the case. And Kimberly, from the day she was born, was trying to find someone named Ken. And when she found Ken, she said... That's it, okay? So there are some of that going on in the world today. But it's not like your name is, uh, you know, Ralph or, or Lisa or Julie or, you know, we, we name our children uh, a name that we think um, we will enjoy and they will enjoy. But back then, you would name your child something significant. It actually meant something. Uh, and, and it would describe you for life. And some of the names were, uh, were, were hard. Jabez, uh, I birthed him in pain. You know, I, I sometimes think that my parents should have called me stupid or something. You know, I'm sorry that, you know, um, my parents have never said that about me. But sometimes I think that about, you know, Jehovah Jireh, though, my God provides. Okay? Or Isaiah, Yahweh is salvation. And so Isaiah in, in, in saying that this, these are the names is, is really describing the heart and the character of this messianic person. Um, the Lord's name is Jesus. Do you know what Jesus means? We're actually told what it means. Uh, it is the Hebrew form of Joshua, which is the Lord saves his people. The Lord saves his people. Our Lord has lived into that name, hasn't he? The Lord saves his people. God's people. The people that he has created across the earth, Jew and Gentile. The Lord saves his people. Uh, let me ask you, when you hear the name Jesus... What goes through your mind and your heart? What, what thoughts do you have? When you hear the name Jesus, we, we sang that this morning. Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble. Um, does it fill your heart with gladness when you hear the name Jesus? I, I, I hope so. Because it literally means you are saved in this name. He ends to go through just one of them that we find there today. Um, we're going to look at mighty God today, all right? Mighty God. We're going to go through the rest of them between now and Christmas Day.
But the first one I want to give you, it's, it's actually not in, in the order there. It's, it's actually down the way a bit. He will be called Mighty God, Mighty God. And the Hebrew really means this. It's El Gabor. El Gabor. Almost sounds Spanish, doesn't it? But it's, it's not. It's Hebrew. And, and El means God. It, it describes God as one who does something. So God the fill in the blank there. And so Gabor then has to mean something. God the mighty warrior champion. God the mighty warrior champion. And, and the people, just like us, the people needed in God. We need in God a mighty warrior, a champion. And in Jesus, we have that. Uh, I, I got a phone call, I, I can tell you, this morning. I was preparing this morning. And I got a, a text message from someone, again, uh, on, on the side of things that I, that I do uh, somewhere else. And, and the person said, I'm really struggling. Can I talk to you right now? Now, this is 8.45 this morning. And uh, I know this person's been struggling. And I, and I called them up and they just said, I'm feeling overwhelmed. And they are overwhelmed. They have things going on in their life that uh, are overwhelming. But have, have you ever been in a situation where you've been overwhelmed and you said, God, I am absolutely trapped. I'm overwhelmed. I need you to be my champion. You ever been there? If you haven't been, you know, and I often tell you this, just wait a while. All right. But if you have been, and I think pretty much all of us probably have, you know what that feels like. You know what it feels like to be reaching out anywhere because you need someone to save you. You need someone to rescue you. You need someone to be your champion. God, I'm trapped. The situation is impossible. It's too much for me. I need your deliverance. Can I just say for a second today, the world is in that situation. Our world, as it goes through the darkness that we find ourselves in, needs a champion. Is looking for someone to save them. One of the things that I struggle with as we're going through all of this uh, in our society today is that I don't hear a lot of people looking to God for a champion right now. And that's a dangerous, dangerous thing. As the church, we need, to do, we need to be leading the way in simply saying, you know, science is good and we can rely on things like, like vaccinations. And I think vaccinations are absolutely fine. But our real issue is we're walking in darkness and we need the king of light to save us. And Jesus is the light of the world. And as the people walking in darkness encounter the light of Jesus, I, I can tell you that, that vaccinated or not, my life is given to the Lord and I'm going to live as long as he intends for me to live and I rest in the peace and the promise of his promises for me. And I'll serve him till I die and when I die, I get to be with him, to live as, uh, is to, to live as Christ, to die as gain. And it's a wonderful life and I have peace in my life and an incredible depth to it. Why? Because I know the king of light. And yet there are people that don't. There were people back then that didn't. Prior to Isaiah, think of uh, David and Goliath. Uh, when the Philistines saw that their Gabor was dead, they turned and ran. It's the same word. When the Philistines saw that Goliath was down and David had cut off his head and was walking back up to Saul with the head of their champion in their hands, when they saw that their Gabor had died, they ran for their lives. They fled. He was their mighty warrior and their champion. 
And that's what it means. God, our champion who cannot be vanquished by anyone or anything. He will be called mighty God. Is the Lord Jesus Christ your El Gabor today? Is he your Gabor? I pray that he is. If he isn't, please come and talk to me. And I'll take you through the scriptures and we can have some chats and, and, and you can come to a place in your life. You, right now, you can experience the El Gabor for your life and for the life of everyone. And we know he is. Paul wrote about this. Uh, different words. But he says this in Colossians chapter 2. Beautiful words. When you were dead in your sins, when you were living in darkness, when the world was overwhelming you, when you felt trapped and you said, I need someone to get me out of this impossible situation of darkness, I need help. God made you alive with Christ. There's your El Gabor. He forgave us all our sins. By the way, he's the only one that can. <laughs> Having canceled the written code with its regulations, the people are no longer walking in this religious, legalistic, keeping the law because I have to. That's what that's about. Having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. The relationship, the new covenant in Jesus is established. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, the king of heaven's armies will accomplish this. Get the connection? The king of heaven's armies will accomplish this. Having disarmed the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them on the cross. Wow. Those are powerful words. Attached directly to Isaiah's messianic promise. They're beautiful words. And it, it takes us all the way even to Revelation. And as we look at Revelation... Um, you know, I, I love this slide, you know, the Narnia Chronicles. It says, then one of the elders said to me, don't cry. Look, he's trying to find someone to open the scrolls. The lion from Judah's tribe, the great descendant of David, the El Gabor of the world and of creation and of history has won the victory. And he can break the seven seals and he can open the scroll. Let me ask you this morning, what do you need? To bring to your El Gabor today. What are you facing? What, what, what's going on in your life today? You know, I can tell. We're going to pray for Henry in a minute. I can tell you that the Henry in all of his excitement is walking into a brand new opportunity. And Henry is taking his El Gabor with him. And he's going to follow him into that new position. And that's what we're going to pray for. Uh, you may be facing health issues. You may be facing financial issues. You may be facing relational issues with family or friends or, or whatever it is. You may be facing just generalized anxiety about what is going on in our world. I, I don't know what it is, but guess what? God does. God knows what you're going through. God knows what you need. And God promises that he is there. He is with you. He is walking with you. And as you acknowledge that he is your champion and you put your trust in him and, and really him alone. And then as we walk together as the church, as God's people living under his reign together, I can just simply assure you that all is well. No matter what happens, all is well. Do you believe that today? And I trust you do. Because I'm telling you the truth. 
telling you the truth. And God wants you to know it. He wants to encourage you today. So as, as we um, come to a place where uh, soon, uh, Andrew's going to, a little bit later, after the worship team comes up and we sing, uh, call us to communion. I want you to prepare. If, if you are ready, uh, not just yet, but in a few minutes, to, to come up and to say, yep, I'm going to take communion today because I'm taking communion, understanding exactly who my El Gabor is well. Be a wonderful time to do that. I, again, I was out last night, uh, as I mentioned. I was in Nanaimo with with uh, with a bunch of people, and I brought up communion. I brought up those tasteless little cups um, that I really don't like, but they are filled with the with the with with the, with the picture and the illustration and the and the and the power of the reminder of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, of the El Gabor of history. And uh, I had the privilege of sharing with, with several of them last night. Uh, again, just coming up and saying, yes, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood, the new covenant given for you. As often as you drink of it, do so in remembrance of, of me, your king, your champion, your mighty warrior, your El Gabor. So if that means something to you, you want to come up in a minute, um, when Andrew says, uh, come on up, we're going to do that. Let's pray. And I'm going to call the worship team up. God, thank you. Uh, thank you for this promise. Thank you that the promise for the people back then continues to be the promise for us today, but it is not the promise we are waiting for. It is the promise that has been realized in your name, Jesus. Thank you that, that though uh, the world continues to walk in, in its darkness, uh, the light has come. And we live in the light. And we are called to, to, to live in the light in such a way that people see the light. And they see a people walking not in darkness, but in great light. And they are drawn to the light together with us and with you. Thank you for that. We rest on that promise as we begin this Christian year. And we love you. Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.